It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app. Tanner Hoops with you on this Monday afternoon. Getting your work week started. You're finishing up the first day and a good way to finish up. You hear everything you need to know in the world of sports. Charlie Bramer is our guest in studio today. And it's been a busy weekend for sports fans up here, Charlie, especially on the football side of things. Maybe some sad football fans up here. Basketball makes them happy. We'll start with the big story. Obviously, Sunday night football, primetime matchup with Brady versus is Rodgers. You know the hype surrounding those two. They are arguably the two best quarterbacks in the game right now. And I like this matchup because they don't fight that. They don't try to take the attention away from that. They embrace that. They embrace that matchup because they know it's true and they know that's what sells. And they both lived up to it last night. So that's what made it a lot of fun. All in all, it culminates with a 31-17 win for the Pats. Give me your thoughts on the matchup last night. Well, first off, you mentioned they were the Two best quarterbacks playing now. You think they're possibly the two best quarterbacks of all time? They could be. That's what could be. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. But um, man, what a disappointing way that really midway through the third quarter on, or I guess the fourth quarter on, the Packers had it. Man, they were driving down the field, seventeen seventeen, and then Aaron Jones fumble just took all the air out of them, and mm-hmm. and the injuries piled up and. The Patriots ended up taking it pretty easily, but real disappointing finish if you're a Packers fan, which I am, of course. That Jones fumble seems to be where the game turned. I give that Packers defense credit, though, that you take out Ha-Ha, you force a lot of young guys to step up and take on bigger roles. Did a pretty good job last night. Yeah, I was impressed with some of the backups coming in. Um, Morrison at middle linebacker. I guess, well, he's not really, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember what Chris Collinsworth referred to him as, you know, a reserve, a backup, somebody. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's he was a three-year starter for the Colts, I believe, so mm-hmm. he's played a lot of NFL football. But other than him, yeah, a lot of young guys coming in, and, and they all played well. There was, there was not a real significant drop-off, which, I mean, that's a good thing, but then isn't there supposed to be a drop-off? Shouldn't your mm-hmm. starters be playing better? <laughs> isn't that why they're your starters? Well, and they survived the whitehead ejection. Give me your thoughts on that. To me, it looked like an open hand hit to the head, certainly a personal foul. I don't know that that was ejection worthy, unless there was something going on more than met the eye. If you watch Packers games with me, which I have a few friends listening who are going to know what I'm about to say, I have been, well, I I just had to bite my tongue there, uh, Mm -hmm. complaining, we'll put it, about Jermaine Whitehead for years. I don't know how he's been on the roster. He was a practice squad player for a while. I don't know how he's made the team for three years in a row. I don't think I've ever seen the guy make a positive play. Um, Bad things happen when he is on the field, and as soon as he open-hand slapped that guy, I said, I'm like, throw him out. I wanted them to throw him. As soon as he got thrown out, that game really turned for the defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's any correlation there, but... I'm going to claim that there is because, obviously, I don't know Jermaine Whitehead. There's nothing personal there. I just really think the Packers have other guys better, you know, suited to be on the field instead of him. So, and and obviously, like I said, once he was off the field, things really improved. So, maybe there'll be some changes made. Not really sure. There was changes made last week. So, I don't know. Brady and Rodgers were the headline in this main event. And they both played excellent. They were both fantastic last night. It just came down to really what I expected out of that game is Tom Brady has superior coaching and a supporting cast. He he just does. And Rodgers did about everything that he could in that game. Brady just surrounds himself with better talent. Or better talent surrounds him. I don't know what it is, but Aaron Rodgers played toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. Maybe outplayed him. I don't know. They were both excellent. But... There's just better guys around uh, Tom Brady than there is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the only thing that really, obviously, Rodgers just hasn't quite had his wheels all season. Last night, he played for that without the knee brace for the first time since he injured the knee. And he looked good. He looked better, but he's, he's, he's just still not quite as explosive. You know, usually he can get that corner and, and you know, get upfield for 5, 10 yards. And, and there's guys catching him from behind little more than usual and and obviously that takes a, a lot away from his game you know he picks up usually probably three or four first downs a game doing that but yeah I mean as, as far as the quarterback play goes obviously you know that was pretty much 
to be expected. Rodgers is throwing to a bunch of rookies. Mm -hmm. And what the heck ever happened to Randall Cobb? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, hamstring injury, but he's been back for a while now. Um, I just, this is really, you know, a big year of change for the Packers. And for us to expect them to just, Obviously, they were seven and nine last year, and for us to just expect them to be eleven and five, twelve and four this year, which a lot of people were, myself included, I, I guess that was really kind of uh, we were really jumping the gun because when there's as much change within a franchise as there has been, um, obviously you're looking for improvements, and there has been individual improvements, um, and and the change is showing positives. But it's just not there yet. These rookie wide receivers need more time with Rodgers, obviously. You know, when Rodgers is scrambling, you can see him pointing um, to guys that either come back to me or go here, go there. And, and they, they just don't have that sync that uh, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers used to have or Jermichael Finley and Aaron Rodgers used to have. And these guys need to build that cohesiveness, I feel, and I'm really liking these young running backs. That's another thing. You you hit on maybe the Packers were out coached. You know, that that's also debatable, but one thing I'm I'm really wondering about with Mike McCarthy's play calling is Aaron Jones has led the NFL in yards per carry since he has joined the league. And he needs to get more touches. And it really bothered me after he fumbled that ball. I don't think he had another carry the rest of the game, did he? Well, in that sense that you don't want to reward a guy who just maybe cost you the game. I, I get that from McCarthy. I just I don't see Aaron Jones as being the running back of the future over there in Green Bay. I, I, I'm going to have to really disagree with you on that one. He's, he's got the quick twitch athleticism and, and strength to stay on his feet um, even when he's really being knocked around by bigger linebackers. He's undersized. He's always going to be a liability in pass protection, but that can really be mitigated with technique and like like we and, and coaching, obviously. Um, I think Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones could could be the future at running back, it's, it, especially if the wide receivers can step up and and somebody if Scantling or Brown can can step into a more of a premier receiver role. So Devontae Adams doesn't have to face double teams every single down. Um, and like like we said, where the heck is Randall Cobb? Um, I was kind of impressed with how the right side of the offensive line played in the run game considering the injuries. Um, Byron Bell, obviously, he's been a starter for quite a while in the NFL. But Jason Spriggs has been a big-time liability whenever he's been on the field for the Packers. But he, he played surprisingly well last night. So so let me get this straight because you raised a few good points, and I want to touch on them. But if you have the chance to get a fairly decent running back around the NFL, maybe even a guy in this year's draft you can pick up from the third round, you're going to pass on that. You're okay with Williams and Jones? In the oh, no, I'm always – Running back is a position where, you know, like just, just a year and a half ago, Ty Montgomery, he was the man, and he's out. Mm-hmm. Running back is one of those positions. You're always looking to get younger. You're always looking to improve. But I believe Aaron Jones in particular, he has the makeup to potentially be that 15 to 20 carry a game guy that the Packers need moving forward. That may only last for two or three years, you know, and and turnover could come. But obviously, yeah, if you have a chance where you think you can improve at any position, you're going to want to do that. How about the receiver play last night? You talked about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He looked pretty good last night. Three catches for 101 yards, and Jimmy Graham might have had a breakout game where he was looking like the Jimmy Graham of old. Um, Jimmy Graham made some plays. Um... These wide receivers, I really like. They're able to get downfield the way the Packers. You know that that's a big reason why the Packers wanted to get younger at wide receiver and obviously cheaper at wide receiver. Um, but there just doesn't seem to be the like I touched on before the cohesiveness with Aaron Rodgers. And I was really concerned this off season. Some of the comments Rodgers made. I don't want to. I guess I could try and paraphrase, but he was 
disappointed to say the least in in their effort and practices and man you don't want to hear that coming from your your star quarterback talking about his wide receivers and we all knew they were going to have to play a big part in the offense this year and it's just not quite clicking the potential seems to be there but it's just not quite clicking and we're left wondering when is it going to click is it going to click is it going to take another off season uh, maybe some more change at that position so you look at the offensive line I thought they played pretty well last night had one crucial sack late in the game but it might have already been decided by them offensive line though I thought pretty good effort from them yeah earlier in the year they several games they had given up five six sacks a game I think there was one game Rodgers was sacked seven times was that against the Vikings or the Lions something terrible obviously the Bears week one when Khalil Mack was healthy, he was wreaking havoc. David Bakhtiari, I don't know if he's injured. He, he seems to be a little more inconsistent than usual. Um, that He might just be having a couple bad matchups, couple bad games. Uh, I, I believe he's the best left tackle in football. Um, unfortunately, Brian Bulaga, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be the Brian Bulaga of two, three years ago. Um, He's 31 years old. I think his contract is up this year. Hopefully Jason Spriggs can step in and be, I mean, he was a second-round pick. He, he needs to step it up. He, he needs to be a starter on this football team. They have some other guys who are injured, Kyle Murphy, different players. Um, but I think there's going to be, you know, obviously new general manager, new defensive coordinator. Like I said, this is a big year of change, and it's not all going as smoothly as we had hoped. Um, you don't want to waste a year of Aaron Rodgers and change, but or with with big roster turn, turnover and big change. But but what do you do? You know you, you got to get younger at some time, and I guess better now than in two or three years even. We've got Charlie Bramer in studio with us today. We broke down what the Packers did right, what they did wrong last night. Now we're going to look ahead to what does it mean for the Brady Rodgers saga? Did any questions get answered last night? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops joined by Charlie Bramer, who brings us the daily message from Ojibwe Casino. Pigskin Payday is back. Come to Ojibwe Casinos to predict the winners of each week's pro football games. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga, and Marquette. Well, before we jump into our next segment, let's take a look back on this day in sports history. Going back to 1940, MLB Hall of Fame pitcher Walter the Big Train Johnson. He was a star for the Washington Senators. He ended up being part of MLB's first Hall of Fame induction class. On this day in 1940, it was Election Day, and he lost his congressional bid to become the next Republican congressman from Maryland. 1968, Denny McLean becomes the first American League pitcher to win the MVP award. He does so unanimously. Ten years later, in 1978, John Madden gets his 100th win as an NFL coach. He becomes the 13th to do so. Then, ten years later, 1988, right downstate from us, Palace of Auburn Hills hosts its first ever NBA game as the Pistons beat the Hornets 94 to 85. How about birthdays today? Those in sports celebrating birthdays, Debbie Massey, a Michigan native. She was born on this day in 1950, women's professional golfer. She won the LPGA Tour three times. She was born on this day in 1950 in Gross Point, Michigan. 1952, Bill Walton, he turned 66 today, former NBA star turned broadcaster. Johnny Damon, he was born in 1973 today. And then a year later, Jerry Stackhouse, people remember that name well from his time with the Pistons. It is his birthday as well. And finally, Tappy 26th birthday to Odell Beckham Jr. New York Giants wideout turns 26 today. He was born in 1992. So those are a look at some birthdays, some things that happened around the history of sports on this day. Going back to our previous segment, what we were talking about, what everybody's been talking about, Brady versus Rodgers. Everybody seems to have the thought process that those two are the top in football right now. And like you said before the break, maybe the top all time as far as quarterbacks go in the NFL. And you can throw Drew Brees up there in the conversation. I personally have Drew Brees at number three in current NFL quarterbacks. I just think Rodgers and Brady are on a whole different playing field by themselves. And I'll tell you why. Of those three, 
Brady, Rodgers, and Breeze. The worst coaching that any of them has had is Aaron Rodgers. You might disagree with me, Charlie. That's all right. You don't have to agree with me. But I think Aaron Rodgers has had the worst coaching of those three, and yet he has similar postseason accomplishments to what Drew Brees has. So in that sense, I give Rodgers the edge over Brees. Now, Brees and Brady both have excellent coaching, but Brady has far more accomplishments than Brees. So that's why I put Rodgers and Brady above Drew Brees. But those two, we got to see arguably the two best in the game square off against each other last night. And they won't play again in the regular season until 2022, which may be after Tom Brady retires. So unless they meet the Super Bowl or Tom has another decade left in him, we may never see that again, what we saw last night. And I think that's sad because I don't think we're ever going to get a true answer as far as who is better between Rodgers and Brady. You can say the system quarterback argument all you want. You can say that Rodgers has had uh, far less superior coaching and talent around him. We got to see those two go head-to-head. They put on a show. They were excellent. But I don't think we came any closer to knowing who truly is the greatest between those two. Well, if you look at the numbers, I don't I don't know how a real football guy couldn't argue that Aaron Aaron could argue against Aaron Rodgers being the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I mean, cuz if if you're a football guy, you see him play and the way he the ball snaps out of his hand and the way he can throw sideline to sideline and downfield is downfield accuracy. Um I mean, it's just the things that he can do on the football field, it's unreal. The the throws he can make, the arm strength is there, the accuracy is there. Um, obviously, the mental, the aptitude is there. You look at his numbers, he's the only quarterback ever to be over three uh, touchdowns to interception per interception, and he's over he's over four, I believe. And he might be at three point nine nine now. Um, Brady is in second. And he's at two and a half is his TD to interception ratio. So you look at that. I mean, to me, that's the biggest. How much production can you get without making mistakes? Because obviously as a quarterback, it's all about mitigating mistakes. And Rodgers is by far leagues ahead of Tom Brady, who obviously has the five Super Bowls. And that makes a really good argument for him being the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I think I think the way it's going to go down is Rodgers is the best, uh, physically speaking, and Tom Brady is the most accomplished. And I think I think that's about uh, that's really all you can. And 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 Brady, the last several years, he's started to close the gap on career um, quarterback rating. But Rodgers is still the only one, I believe, over 104, and it, it I, Brady's still several points behind, I believe. And I like what you're saying because I think far too many times people base quarterbacks on their numbers Super Bowl ring. Winning a Super Bowl is a fantastic accomplishment, but it's not a good comparison, not a good basis. If we did that, Joe Flacco would be a better quarterback than Dan Marino. I just don't believe that you can count Super Bowl rings as a reason for one quarterback being better than another, having a more storied career. But that is oftentimes how people look at it. So Brady is always going to have that sense that He's a system quarterback. That's always going to be people's argument against him. But what if he is that good? What if it wasn't Bill Belichick's system and he actually is that good? I'm not not advocating for one way or the other. I just wonder because we'll never get to know. And on some level, I think it's the closest comparison in sports that you can get to the Michael Jordan and LeBron James debate because we'll never know who's the greatest between them. They played in two different eras of basketball. We'll just never get to know. And maybe it's better that way. I don't know. Um, well, leaves leaves uh leaves room for debate, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But I, I believe, you know, looking at the numbers, um, Rogers has definitely done more with less yes. than mm-hmm. than Brady. And um it just it it the proof is in the pudding. I mean, looking at Brady's numbers, especially earlier in his career, when his numbers frankly weren't that great and he was still winning Super Bowls the teams he had around him were, you know, I, I I hate to say it, but they were far, far ahead, you know, better than than what Rodgers has been playing with. Obviously, the Packers had a pretty good team, 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, 
but those teams didn't get it done in the play. Well, the 2010 team did, mm-hmm. but the 15 and one team couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Um, and and just just those numbers I touched on before, I just really people if people want to argue that they can, but to me that's that touchdown to interception radio and just o- ratio and overall quarterback rating. It, it's and Rodgers has them. It's not like it's close. You know, Rodgers has them beat by a wide by a, by a wide margin. To me, that that's where it really shakes down. That's what it comes down to. We've got Charlie Bramer in studio with us talking over the Aaron Rodgers-Tom Brady debate. No matter what side of the fence anybody's on, I don't think anybody can say definitively that any questions were answered last night as far as making a case for Rodgers, as far as making a case for Brady. I don't think either of them uh, no. did anything to advocate and, their case no. any further. And unless they could meet in the Super Bowl, like you said, mm-hmm. um, they only play every four years at minimum. So is Brady still going to be around in yeah. four years? You could even ask that question about Aaron Rodgers being mm-hmm. 35, is he? Something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's not getting any younger, and certainly Tom isn't either. And you look at that and you compare them if they did ever meet in the Super Bowl here in the next few years before Tom Brady finally decides to call it a career. If they do meet in the Super Bowl – I don't even think you can base that based on who is no. a better quarterback between them. Because if you do that, then Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. You know, he beat him in the most recent Super Bowl. The only way that we would ever definitively know is if they did what baseball, hockey, and basketball do and play a seven-game series. And that'll just never happen. It's not realistic. No. Um, obviously, football, that, that will never happen. Um, <laughs> It'd be so fun to see, though. I just... Oh man, I keep wanting to go back to this Mike McCarthy debate with you. Mm-hmm. I think I think we could get colorful with that. I think we could have a lot of fun with that Probably Mike McCarthy could. coaching debate. You you say you take Sean Payton over Mike McCarthy? I would. Oh man, I think we're gonna have to set up a segment to debate that out. Get some numbers going, man. I think we could have a good time with that. I just don't think that he's going to come back if the Packers finish below 500 or don't make the playoffs or what have you this season. Oh, yeah, he'll be back. You think so? He'll be back. Yeah, this is, like I said, um, this is a big season of change for the Packers. If they don't make the playoffs next year, then there could be some, and and if they're not even close, then then it's going to start to be a question. Um, but I, I think Mike McCarthy certainly, certainly is – not in any type of hot seat now. See, it's nice and cool. Okay. Well. And and um, I just you know looking at the numbers, I mean, it's McCarthy and Belichick, and then it's it's I mean Mike Tomlin and mm-hmm. would you who do you think's better? Would you take Mike Tomlin or Mike McCarthy? If we could take all the off the field antics away from Mike Tomlin. I would take Mike Tomlin. I think wow, he has man. a better football mind than Mike McCarthy does. I I I just really want to get into what you're basing that on, because because the numbers mm-hmm. just they're not, you know. Well, and, I mean, he's got arguably the best quarterback in NFL history, and he's wasting him. I mean, they're not building around him. They're trading away when they're they were half a game out of first place entering the weekend. He's won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and he's had some pretty good teams over the last few years, and they've had one successful postseason run. I mean, he's, the, he has to do better. They've been, they've been, and and he took, he took two different quarterbacks to the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, Tomlin's been riding Roethlisberger's coattails the whole time. At least McCarthy's done it with more than one quarterback. Um, the Packers were in a really bad place when Mike McCarthy came and took over. Um, it was after a four and twelve season. Mm-hmm. The way he turned around that franchise, I don't try to discredit Mike McCarthy. I don't have anything against him. I root for him. You know, I hope things work out for him. But he's and he's done good things with the Packers, like you said. He's done a fantastic job over there as far as bringing them to a Super Bowl. But sometimes coaches just don't happen anymore. And I think that's a similar situation with Tom Coughlin with the Giants a few years ago. Won two Super Bowls for them, and he was at the height of football glory in a city like new york and he just couldn't sustain it anymore and they you know let him step down with dignity with grace at some point i think coaches just start to lose it a little bit and mccarthy's had some great runs over there in green bay it's unfortunate to see that things are turning out the way they are right now for him well when when was their last um I can't remember what they finished the year before last year. Obviously, they made it to the playoffs. They they beat the Giants, 
in the playoffs. They had, that was a nice season. Mm-hmm. Um, just making the playoffs, what was it, eight, nine years in a row? Mm-hmm. That's darn near unheard of. And, you know, to have a 7-9 and nine season, obviously they started off, what was it, 4-1 and one with Rodgers mm-hmm. before Hundley came in, so that gave him a nice little shot in the arm to start the season but Mm -hmm. who would have really thought the Packers would have finished anywhere close to 500 with Brett Hundley especially the way he played um man I think Mike McCarthy just listening to his he's a player's coach um everybody that plays for him speaks highly of him there might it seems like there might be some underlying friction between him and Rodgers but as we've seen throughout the years that can sometimes bring out the best in guys um so and and just if we really just looking at the numbers alone i mean mike mccarthy's the second best coach in the nfl right now and based on the numbers you can't it's hard to argue that and sean payton may be a better offensive coach than mike mccarthy um I I think Mike McCarthy's a really good developer of talent, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. There are so many undrafted and late-round guys that have made big impacts uh, for his teams, and he's always constructing rosters around Aaron Rodgers that obviously Rodgers takes a big part of that salary cap. It's a big hit, and McCarthy's left to build these rosters with now the new GM, Brian Gutekunst, and I think he's done a really good job developing talent, uh, late-round guys, and he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. But the thing is, they don't have time to develop talent right now. Rodgers is not getting younger. They need to start winning now, and they're, they're wasting his prime trying to build from the ground up with him. Um, I, I, I see what you mean, um, but at, one, at, at what point do you not have a choice? You have to get younger at some point, and... Things could really get ugly if they started to reach for players. I I would have been a fan of them bringing in Josh Gordon, obviously. He went to the Patriots. Um, The Packers seem to vet their players a little differently than the Patriots. Um, I I just, I I really like his approach of draft and develop. Um, and, And he's, frankly, he's done a really good job with it. Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. Coming up, we will talk about the Bucks' big day yesterday. They dropped 22 three-pointers, a franchise record, in the victory over Sacramento. Plus, tough day for the Detroit Lions. We break it all down for you in the sports pen after this on ESPN-UP, ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. few quick notes to update you on. The Los Angeles Kings have fired John Stevens as head coach earlier today. Willie Destertins will take over and coach in the interim. Luke Walton, his seat gets a little more hot over there in Los Angeles. Speaking of L.A. coaches getting fired, Luke Walton and the Lakers struggling yesterday big time as they fall to Toronto. And Drake has gone into business with Cleveland Cavalier owner Dan Gilbert. They now own an eSports team called 100 Thieves. So whoever thought that, Drake and Dan Gilbert are business partners owning a pseudo-sports team. If he would have went in business with anybody, I think it would be the Raptors, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, being a Toronto guy, I suppose. I don't know a lot about Drake. Um, you could probably play any one of his songs, and I wouldn't be able to. You're not a Drake guy. I I'm not. That is not my uh, genre of music. That's, that's all for right. sure. That's all right. Well, uh, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Twenty-two threes yesterday. That's a franchise record. That's their response after Boston hands them their first loss by dropping twenty-four threes on them. So Milwaukee says, okay. We've played so well this season, probably exceeded expectations. You knew they were going to be good, but I don't know if people thought they'd be this good right out of the gate. They get two straight games with 19 three-pointers. Then Boston has to shoot 24 to beat them. So then they come out and shoot 22 and raise the bar for themselves, a franchise record. They beat a Kings team they probably would have beaten anyway, but they get some style points doing it. Giannis with his second triple-double of the year. Man, this Bucks team is good. Uh, you talked about... You you just said it yourself. I mean, I I thought the Bucks were going to be good. I thought 
you know, maybe they'd be 500 the first half of the season and then take off in the second half with, with the coaching changes and all the changes being made. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a seamless transition. Um, I just I, – I've watched every game now this year, well, except for the Knicks game, um, which which they obviously won pretty easily. How much how much Bucks basketball have you watched? I, I'm telling you, man, if you're a basketball fan, watch these Bucks. They don't have to shoot it. They're a good team. I yeah. mean, they they look really good in this system with Coach Budenholzer. And for whatever reason, he gets he brings these guys up and he's able to turn them into all star. He gets the best out of mid level players. Um, but that's the thing right now. There, I'm, well, there's a lot of mid level guys obviously playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Connington. Uh, well, I don't know if Dante DiVincenzo is a mid level guy or not. Or not yet obviously just being a rookie um but i think it's really telling uh, you know last year at this time matthew delavidova was there well they had just traded for eric bledsoe i guess but just a little over a year ago matthew delavidova was a starting guard for him mm-hmm. uh he's not even in the rotation i haven't seen him play in five six games so that that goes to show the improvement that there's been uh, malcolm brogdon he he was expected, you know, good defender, plays hard, kind of a try-hard guy. Now he's turned into quite an offensive guard. I mean, he's a starting shooting guard now in the NBA, starting two guard. Um, Eric Bledsoe shooting the ball better. They were ice cold against the Celtics the other day and mm-hmm. barely lost that game. The Celtics had to really go out of their game plan, I guess, so to speak. Maybe it was their game plan against the Bucks. They executed it slightly better. The Bucks being that ice cold and still only losing that game by four points, that really showed me a lot. This team, I believe they're second in the NBA in defensive rating right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not just their offense. I think they're averaging, it's, it's like 14 points a game. Uh, uh, what is it? Their, their, their spread, whatever you want to call it. They're winning. Their average game ends by them winning by 14 points. When you look at the NBA Eastern Conference right now, the top five are who we expected them to be, just maybe not in this order. Toronto, Milwaukee, Indiana, Boston, and Philadelphia. So the NBA is not quite shaken out the way maybe we expected it to, but for fans up here, maybe a little better than they were expecting. You have Milwaukee that's playing well, second place right now. You have Detroit that got off to a good start this season. They've faltered a little bit as of late. They're they got in seventh off, place. They got off to a really good start last year too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And now they have a chance to uh, get back on the right track, hosting a skidding Miami team. You have two teams that come in trying to snap losing streaks. Detroit at home this evening. What do you make of them in the early going? Like Andre Drummond the other day. What happened there? Andre Drummond, his his style of play, it's just a dying breed in the NFL. You know, John Henson has incorporated a three-point shot into his game. Is that what it's going to take for Andre Drummond to really maintain an effective level of play in the NBA? Just somewhat of a respectable outside shot to be able to stretch that floor a little bit more? Well, when you look around the NBA, I mean, there's going to be some excellent games going on tonight and still certainly a lot to be decided. A lot can change. But let's look over at college football and what happened this weekend. Obviously, Michigan State got the win over a tumultuous Maryland team. You have Michigan that got a thunderous win over Penn State. They thumped them 42-7. to And you get the feeling that the Wolverines, this could be the year that they take down Ohio State they find themselves in the Big Ten championship game, and they will have a chance to compete for the college football playoff and at least get to a semifinal. How real is this Michigan team? Apparently more real than I thought at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And with what they did to the Badgers, I mean, that really opened my eyes, uh, definitely. Um, I guess it's a wait-and-see deal. really liked your little hype promo for their Ohio State-Michigan game. That that was good stuff. Well, this could be the year, if any, that they had the chance to take down Ohio State, who just has not looked good the last few weeks. Nebraska took them right down to the wire in Columbus. Meanwhile, uh, Michigan, they have made adjustments since the early part of the season. They are 
clicking on all cylinders right now. We said a few weeks ago, about a month ago, that if they got through these next three games, we'd find out how real they are. Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State. They romped through all three of those games. Certainly. They looked really, really good. Michigan is for real, but they're going to have two tough ones left. I don't care how Ohio State season's gone so far. That is going to be tough when they have to go to Columbus here in uh, a couple of weeks and then the Big Ten Championship if they get there. It's not over for Michigan, but shoot, we're going to continue to see how real they really are. Well, if they can get to the Big Ten Championship game, apparently whoever gets there from the East is going to have, might as well just be a bye week. That's... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this last weekend, even if like even if the Badgers make it, man, Rutgers didn't look all that bad against the Badgers, and that's just mm-hmm. not a good sign. Um, I, I I really don't know what to say. I I'm so torn. I don't. I have no idea. It is so split down the middle for me against Ohio State and Michigan, but Michigan's got the defense, so. Mm-hmm. I guess I've gotta gotta give advantage Michigan at this point. You gotta think that if there's been any year in recent memory Michigan can do it, it's this year. But when you look at Wisconsin, you bring them up, they win this weekend over Rutgers thirty one to seventeen. Rutgers getting a touchdown late to get a little closer. Does Wisconsin have a quarterback controversy right now? Oh geez. I don't I don't believe so. No. I I Alex Hornibrook he's 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 gonna be back. I'm really hoping they can return this backfield. Mm-hmm. He's, the talent is there. Um, it, it seems to be mental mistakes, mm-hmm. and let's get to coaching them. Huh? Let's let's coach them up because the 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 talents there, the athleticism's there, the arm strength. Um, I I don't I don't I wouldn't say there's a quarterback controversy as of now in Wisconsin. I mean, especially with how that game in Northwestern at Northwestern went, um, mm-hmm. it's 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 clear that Hornibrook, when he's in the game, it's it it steps the Badgers' offense up another level. If one had to go, would it be Paul Christ or Alex Hornibrook? Which one would you hang on to? Oh, definitely Paul Christ. Would it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I would think too. You may not agree with it. I've just never been high on Hornerbrook. I can see why. Yeah. I mean, he's got his flaws for sure, but the Badgers are always going to be a tough test, no matter who who draws them. So when the college football playoff rankings edition two come out tomorrow night, who should be the top four in what order? Um I'm I'm really not I'm really not real it's not real set in stone for me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's it's uh, who do who do you got? You were right. Yeah, well, you were, well, I thought I should have been right. I, yeah, you should have been right um, with the first release. Um, Michigan will be, be in the fourth spot. This Michigan week. will. It's yeah. going to be in my mind. It's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan in that order. Now you get the argument up here that. Well, Michigan's a completely different team than their week one loss against Notre Dame. That, you know, uh, if they played the Irish again, and maybe they will here down the stretch, if they played the Irish again, Michigan would win by two touchdowns. People are saying Michigan's a different team since week one, and they're right to say that. Michigan definitely is a different team. But when you look at the rankings, you can't overstate that loss did happen, and Notre Dame has taken care of business like they're supposed to. Notre Dame should still be ahead of Michigan based on that for one. For another, Notre Dame's a different team since week one, too. Notre Dame didn't blow out Michigan, but they controlled that game from start to finish. Michigan had a touchdown late to get within seven, but for 56 of the 60 minutes, Notre Dame was up by two scores. Notre Dame did that with their current backup quarterback and without their leading rusher. They didn't have Dexter Williams or Ian Book in the ball game at that time. Neither of them were playing. So Notre Dame's a different team. So is Michigan. Based on that and what's already happened this year, you can't discredit that loss in week one. No, I, I don't. The only thing is, you know, obviously Michigan's defense is playing better. But like you say, Notre Dame's offense is their backfield's completely different. Mm-hmm. So you got to say it's a wash, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're expecting for the college football playoff rankings. But this is going to be a lot of fun. Last thing before we go to break, how far does LSU fall? Because I know it was Alabama, but they just looked like they didn't belong there. Oh, geez. You think they'll fall out of the top ten? I think they're going to be right at ten. 
That's what I was going to. That's what right I was thinking. Yeah, they they got thumped, shut out on their home field, twenty nine nothing. I know it was Bama, but come on, if you're ranked number three in the country, you got to at least compete against teams like that. Yeah, I was going to say anywhere from eight to ten. Mm-hmm. We got Charlie Bramer in studio with us. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll talk a little Detroit Lions football on the other side of this break. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us. Charlie Bramer in studio with us. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to remind you the Pigskin Payday is back. Head into Ojibwe Casino each week to predict... <laughs> each week to predict... Pro football games. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga, and Marquette. I tell you, man, each week i got to screw that up at least once. How many times have I read that now? Well, how long have you been coming in? It's been, uh, I don't know. Most of the time you get it, though. You're still batting probably close to 1,000. Um, well, I think I screw it up once a week. I read it three. I'm about... I think I'm about 660. <laughs> That'd still be pretty good in the MLB. That passed for a batting average. I'd take that. I would take it. Charlie Bramer, once again, our guest today on the Sports Pen. Detroit Lions. Oh, man. That was tough to watch yesterday, unless you were wearing purple and gold for sure. 24 to 9, the win for the Vikings. That was the Minnesota defense we thought we would see all year. The Vikings right now look like they are primed to win the NFC North. They, I know what the Bears are doing and everything, but talent for talent, they don't have what the Vikings have. No, I'd have to agree with you for sure. Yeah, and the Vikings are just starting to bring it all out of right now. And Daniil Hunter, oh my gosh, three and a half sacks yesterday. Should be no question who gets NFC Defensive Player of the Week this week. Do you think he's the most underrated defensive player in the game? He's up there. I don't know if he is the, but he's definitely one of them. He's not a household name, but he probably should be. Well, I think he will be by, by season's end if he can stay mm-hmm. healthy. Um, what he did yesterday was just pure dominance, mm-hmm. man. It was like Clay Matthews of 2010-2011. It was really something. Well, returning the fumble for the touchdown, Matthew Stafford yesterday. I was pretty high on him based on what he's done this season. I thought he's made some incredible throws, and he has. He's done a lot of right things. But yesterday was his worst game in a Lions uniform in recent memory. I mean, that was tough to watch. It really was. It it really felt like a game back back in his younger years mm-hmm. where where he was just getting the snot beat out of him and he just seemed rather no pun intended, he seemed defeated. Mm-hmm. Really. Mm-hmm. He he just seemed just seemed like he's starting to really lose it out there and I haven't seen that from him in a while. Well, you look at the Lions, and they're interesting to me. They got out to a slow start this season. People had playoff expectations for them, maybe like a wild card, nothing too prestigious. But they disappoint out of the gate. They start to turn it around, and they make people think, okay, maybe there's something in this team. Maybe there's a a chance that they can make a run. And then they go out and trade for one of the best defensive linemen in football with Snacks Harrison from the Giants. Since then, they've lost two games. And they trade away one of their top playmakers. And maybe that was for financial reasons more than it was for contention reasons. But either way, you wondered how that would affect the squad. They didn't look good yesterday. They didn't get a touchdown. No, I I really was puzzled by that Golden Tate trade. There's obviously way more to it than we'll ever know. Mm-hmm. It it you know, you could say financial reasons. I I think it was probably very similar to the Clinton Dix trade. Mm-hmm. He just uh was apparently rubbing some coaches the wrong way, maybe some some fellow teammates, but you can't argue the production. And I think this last week showed how much uh, the Lions really needed him on the field. Ten sacks for the Viking defense yesterday. Ten. Nine points for the Detroit offense. Wow. I mean, that tells you all you need to know right there. Yep. I, I, I think I stopped watching at it was – there was eight sacks. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I stopped watching. <laughs> I tell you, who did have a touchdown yesterday? Julio Jones. He gets his first one, a 35-yarder late in the game as part of a victory over Washington. He came within 31 yards of setting the new NFL single-season record for receiving yards without a touchdown. The world makes sense again. Julio has a TD. Isn't that strange? Don't you mm-hmm. think a guy with his physical talent 
uh, because he's been getting his touches, mm-hmm. you think he'd break one. Yeah. You think he'd just break a couple tackles, uh, make his own touchdown. But I guess I guess it took a little more than that this year. And he finally did. That is how he got his touchdown. Thirty-five yards. He had to finish. Really he was working well for it. Huh? I didn't see it. For it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good touchdown if you get the chance to watch the replay. He ends up uh, getting into the end zone for the first time, making his fantasy owners, myself included, pretty happy. How about Northern Michigan this weekend? They get the victory down in Detroit. They take down Wayne State 34-24, third win of the season for the Cats, first in conference play, and Anthony Ladd gets Conference Defensive Player of the Week. So it's been a tough year for Northern. They've improved in a lot of ways, but it's good to see them come out and get this victory, and hopefully they can finish the season strong next week in Ohio. Yeah, that's what... I mean, you pretty much summed it up right there. What more can I say? You 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 like to see the improvement. That's all you could hope for from this team is just please don't please give us more than one win, mm-hmm. you know. And and now they've given three. You could possibly get to four. Uh, I think we'd call that a successful year. A lot of improvement. Um, some guys have shown on the field, and and there's a there's 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 finally something to look forward to. In, in northern Michigan football. Well, and hockey as well continues to go on the right stretch. Oh, for sure. They the went down this weekend. There. They took on Bowling Green State, who was ranked 10th in the country. Madge split with them. Bowling Green's offense, one of the most prolific in all of college hockey. Last weekend, they took on a top 10 Ohio State team, thumped them 8-2. to two. They come back, and they, they show it wasn't just a fluke the next night. They beat Northern 3-1 to one on Friday night. Saturday night, Northern shuts them out 2 nothing. The best offense in college hockey at Northern Anade, Tolvin, and Blankham. So really fun to see out of those guys. They return home this weekend to take on Cornell, but they have a top 10 victory in hand, and they shut down the best power play, certainly, in uh, NCAA hockey this year. Maybe the best offense as a whole. So good for those guys. Really fun to see. You been to uh, the Barry yet this season? Those are a lot of fun. No, and and I was, I was just thinking I, I needed to – if they're going to be playing up to their potential, which mm-hmm. which they have been, I'm going to have to get over to the Barry for a couple games this year. Yep, this weekend they've got Friday, Saturday against Cornell. They step out of conference, and they welcome the Big Red. So that team's a lot of fun to watch, and that atmosphere is really cool. Yeah, it's a great atmosphere for college hockey, anybody who loves it. Looking around the rest of the NFL, the rest of the landscape, Dallas Cowboys get a chance to show off their shiny new toy this evening. Amari Cooper makes his Dallas debut. You and I get to hear Jason Witten try to stay impartial, maybe not try as hard yeah. as we would have liked him to as the Cowboys take on the Titans tonight. What do we expect out of Amari Cooper? How high should the expectations be? It, it To me, it really depends upon how the Lions play him. They're going to have to play him on the outside, I believe, and – he really fits more as a slot receiver, which obviously that's Cole Beasley's spot. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see. Can Is he going to get double teamed? That's going to make a big difference too. And he was um, getting quite a bit of separation on his routes in, in Oakland. He was ranking near the top in the NFL in, uh, well, in separation at, at the top of his routes. So... Can Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott find him better than they were in Oakland? I guess that's what we're going to find out. I'm still not optimistic. I don't think no, he's that good of a receiver, to be honest with you. He's certainly not having the year that he's had a couple of years ago, and Dak Prescott still has a terrible offensive line in front of him, so I'm not optimistic for it. There's some Dallas fans really high on this receiving core that you need a big three almost. It's like the NBA. You need a big three as far as a receiving core. Detroit had that to start this year, and obviously Golden Tate is out. That means Atlanta has one of the better receiving cores, probably the best in the NFC. Patriots, you can make the case that they have it in the AFC. Cowboys fans try to make the case for Dallas with Amari Cooper, Cole Beasley is a slot guy, and then Alan Hearns, a young rookie. I just don't see that as being a top-tier receiving core. I I really don't. No, and... And I'm really, oh, man, I wish I would have appreciated Donald Driver, Jordy Mm -hmm. Nelson, and Greg Jennings a little more than I did. (laughs) And then even Randall Cobb was a young player, Jermichael Finley, all those weapons the Packers had. How about Bubba Franks? Bubba Franks. He was a big-time red zone, Mm -hmm. and and he was always one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the league. Mm -hmm. He's a big reason why Amon Green had those 1,800-yard seasons. 
wasn't he fun to watch? Amon Green, and then you had Coon in the backfield for a while, and those Packers teams back in the day, they were a lot of fun to watch. And and my favorite player out of from all those teams is always William Henderson. Mm-hmm. Talk about a hard worker, mm-hmm. and whenever he would get the ball, it was fun to watch. He was running somebody over. A.J. Burnett on that defense? I mean, that was a good group. It was a lot of fun. There were some good teams, and it's always fun at Lambeau Field when they bring their alumni back, um, guys like George Koontz and, and these players that played big parts on big teams, mm-hmm. and you kind of forget about them after yeah. a while. Like Ryan Longwell. Anyone remember him? Yeah, I remember Ryan Longwell, but not not as fondly as I'd like to. <laughs> he he made some big kicks for the Vikings that 2008 season when yes, they he did. walked all over uh, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers' rookie year. Well, the Vikings would love to have a kicker like that right now after the kicking struggles they've had over the last few years. I'm sure that doesn't make you feel too bad, though. Nope, and and you just kind of wonder, um, why did the why did the Cowboys let Dan Bailey go? And 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 teams like the Lions and Vikings finding these veteran kickers, mm-hmm. um, why were they even let go to begin with? I always mm-hmm. wonder that. Well, Charlie, uh, we're winding down, running out of time. The last thing I want to do is I want to put you on the spot. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there was a citizen from Wisconsin, sports fan, uh, Sports Center's put this video out of her. Her talent is she can name 27 different cheeses in 30 seconds. You're a Packers guy, oh. and you're close enough to Wisconsin. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the no. clock and ask you to name you know as what? many cheeses as you can. You know what's pathetic? Mm. I used to work at a cheese factory oh, no. not too far from Appleton. So I And watch me only get about 10. This is going to be bad. Well, uh, let's, let's, I'll give you a couple of minutes to think or so. Well, uh, you take a look at some of the cheeses that would be around there. Have you seen the video yet? It's actually pretty impressive. Well, I don't even know if I can name just 27 words in 30 seconds. I don't know if my mouth will even go that fast. I'm not like a rapper or anything. You're not a Drake guy, remember? Yeah, yeah. no, certainly not. Drake can probably, if he knows Jesus, he can definitely get the time off. Uh, you know, see if he can have a chance at it. I don't know, you want to try it? I'll try it. And, All right. and, and I close my computer so you know I'm not cheating. He does have his computer lit turned down, so I can verify that. All right, in three, two... One, go. Cheddar, Havarti, Parmesan, Asiago. Mm. I'm probably going to start naming things twice. Brie, get into some stinky cheeses. Um, Colby. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess Colby Jack. Mm-hmm. Am, am I allowed to do that? Yep. Am I allowed to go sharp cheddar, mild yep. cheddar? Yep. Oh, wow. Ten oh. seconds. Oh, jeez. Now I'm having a brain fart. Um. I know there's so many more. There's so many more Time's delicious up. cheeses. Hey, you got nine of them. That's pretty good. So many more delicious That's cheeses I left out. I would have accepted blue, blue cheese. Yeah. Why that, not? And, yeah. yeah, well, I, I, I was thinking stinky cheeses, and I was just drawing a blank. What's that stinky German cheese? Limburg? Yeah, Limburger. That's go. what I was trying Limburger. to come up with. Limburger, okay. Or is it? Is, that might not be it. I don't Either one's it's the one cheese and one's the pilot. I yeah. don't know. It's, Lindbergh, Lindbergh's the pilot, yeah. There you go. I love aviation. I'm an aviation guy. <laughs> Charlie Bramer, our guest today. Charlie, man, thanks for being here. Looking forward to next week. Yep, and Lindbergh was a Charles, too, so I had, I had to know that. Thanks a lot, Tanner. This is Tanner Hoops with the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. We're back on tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the Will Kane Show on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Signing off from WZAM Mishpeming Marquette, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP.